we carry on through this journey that Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life is guiding us through. We've done, uh, we've moved from discipleship into ministry is going to be our focus today. And we're going to look uh, through the lens of James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. That's going to be our guide for today as we talk about you know, a life, life of ministry. What does it mean to do ministry, to be ministers? And so much of what we believe is rooted in uh, Martin Luther's uh, put forward this idea of the priesthood of all believers. So please join me in prayer. Holy, gracious, awesome, all-powerful, intimate, personal God. We give you thanks for this day and this opportunity, this time that you have given to us as we open up your word, as we read from it. And we pray, Lord God, that the same Holy Spirit who moved in such powerful ways at Pentecost will continue to move in our midst today, will continue to inspire minds, will continue to be at work in hearts and draw us closer to you. Help us to shut out the distractions of the world outside. That we may hear what it is you are saying to us today. Be with us, O oh Lord, as we talk about faith and works and belief and draw us closer to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If you say you have faith, but do not have works, can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I by my works will show you my faith. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was brought to completion by the works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise was not Rahab the prostitute, also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. 
here has had the experience of the fuel light on your dashboard coming on. Some people experience that a little more often, like to live on the edge of danger. Um, some people seem to experience it constantly. They're in this constant state of, of anxiety. Um, every once in a while, I like to let mine come on just so I know that it works. So if I really need it, I know it'll be there for me. I once had the experience, misfortune perhaps, of riding along in a car with somebody who ignored that little light. And we rode along and along, and I was sitting in the back seat getting more and more anxious with every mile, and he was seemingly unconcerned. And, soon enough, the car ran out of gas at night on the freeway in the middle of Indiana. And the first thing he said, he said, it usually stays on a lot longer than that. And all, everything inside of me wanted to say was, you know, it's been on for the last hour. But I kind of let that stew within me, and soon enough we were sitting in the cab of a semi-truck on the way to the closest gas station. And all I thought was, why didn't you pay attention to that? I mean, most of us, when the light comes on, we find the nearest gas station. And what we're doing is showing is that we believe the message that that light is telling us. And we believe it to the extent that we allow that belief to shape our actions. Since we believe that the light is telling us that we're about to run out of gas, that belief then converts to action when we go and get gas. Because we have options, right? When the light comes on, we can look at it and say, well, I don't believe it. And just keep on driving, oblivious to the reality of what's going to happen. Or, when the light comes on, we can say, I believe that I'm about to run out of gas, but if we don't go and get gas, our actions indicate that we don't really believe that something bad is about to happen. Or, they would say that we have another overriding belief. Like, for example, if the light comes on and you're rushing on the way to the hospital, what you're saying is, I believe it's more important to get to the hospital than to stop and get gas at this very moment. But how we react to the fuel light indicates whether or not we believe it. But what really matters is what we do with that knowledge. Our belief shapes our action. And this doesn't just happen with the fuel light on your dashboard. If I am in the grocery store and I'm going to check out, and the person who is next in line, if I believe that person has a binder of coupons, that will shape my action and I will go to another line. If I get a gallon of milk out of the refrigerator and it has an expiration date on it that has passed, and I believe the message that expiration date is trying to tell me, I will throw the milk away and then try to explain to Caleb why he has to drink water. Our beliefs shape our actions. Little things, big things. And if we are willing to let our belief in a fuel light 
or our belief in an expiration date shape the way that we act, the way that we live? Should we therefore not then allow our belief in the Lordship of Jesus Christ over all of life even more powerfully shape the way that we live and move and work and play and learn and teach and interact with one another. If our belief in these little things shape our immediate actions, should our belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the implications of that on all of life, should that therefore not then shape everything we do. What we're talking about is how beliefs shape actions. How beliefs guide us and lead us to do a certain thing. Our belief leads us. And that's what James is talking about. What James is saying in this letter is that there is no dichotomy if we have true faith between faith and works. Because our faith is shaping the way that we live. It's shaping the way we interact with one another. It's shaping the way, the instance he brings up here, that we treat the least of these. James is saying, if you're just going to say empty platitudes, what you're indicating is that you don't really believe that Christ is calling you to engage with other people. You're not really, you're not really living out a, a life that indicates you have true belief in what Scripture is trying to teach us on how to live. James isn't trying to say that if we go and do the right things, that that will then earn us our ticket into heaven. What James is trying to say is that our actions show what it is we truly believe. In the same way where if that fuel light comes on and you never go and get gas, you indicate you don't believe that light. James is saying if you live a life that doesn't reflect the love and grace and mercy and peace of Jesus Christ, your actions are indicating that you don't really have that belief. And so he's saying that our works reveal what it is we believe. And so it is that we talk about ministry about a life of ministry. And one of the things that the Presbyterian Church did a few years ago was they changed my title. I used to be called a minister of word and sacrament. But what the denomination believed is that when we label a certain group of people as ministers, that what the temptation is, is that people then expect the ministers, and maybe only the ministers, to do the work of ministry. But what the church believes is that when we read scripture, is that each and every person is called to a life of ministry. That we are all called to live out in some way our faith in what it is we are doing. And while we believe that pastors have a different calling. The calling for each of us is to a life of ministry, to engage in ministry in whatever setting we are in. We are living out our belief. We are revealing our belief in what we're doing. Whether it's raising a child or working on a transaction at work. Whatever it is that we're doing, we are engaged 
in ministry. And so the church, the denomination, changed my title to teaching elder. And the session members are called ruling elders to indicate that, that we have these roles within the church. But we're all ministers. That, not, that, that, that nothing in our, in our verbiage will lead people to believe that only certain individuals are called to ministry. But we're all called to ministry. And today we celebrate Pentecost. You know, today we celebrate the day when the church, which was this, this somewhat fragile and feeble operation after Jesus ascends to heaven, that the church was gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came and tongues of fire rested on the heads and they went out and Peter begins to proclaim. All of the disciples are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and thousands of people are there and they're listening to the gospel. And they believe. And then what happens? They don't just believe and then say, go home and say, gosh, I had a really good day, and then continue on with their life as usual. They believe, and then their belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes how they live. They then go forth, they go back to their homes, wherever they're from, and they begin to form these house churches where they talk about the implications of faith, and they begin to live differently. They form communities. They serve one another. They serve their community together. They live differently because their belief. It's now shaping their actions. And the church in Rome, it is believed, to which the letter of Romans is written. They believe that it was founded by people who were in Jerusalem at Pentecost. They heard the message, believed, and went back to Rome and founded the church there. Belief shapes actions. And so today we are called to lives of ministry. And I want to close with a thought about a phrase that we use very often. Probably without thought. It's the phrase, take care. I say those words a lot. We tell, we tell one another to take care. And what I want to encourage us to think about is do we take those words deeply to heart. Because I think at the essence of a life of ministry, that's exactly what we do. We care for one another. When we look at the ministry and life of Jesus Christ, He was someone who cared deeply for people whom, whose lives He intersected with. When He was interrupted, no matter what He was in the midst of, there's a story where He's on the way to raise a, a, a little girl from the dead and He's interrupted by a woman, a hemorrhaging woman. And he takes care. In that moment, he cares for her. He took care. And so how do we care for one another deeply, genuinely? How do we care? Do we stop and truly listen? And when the conversation ends, does our care continue in prayer and support and follow-up? Are we ministering to one another? Are we ministering to the people we need by continuing to care? Because the danger is that we say, we say take care and then carry on. And this is what James is talking about in his letter, the heart of it. He says that, that we need to take care really and truly and deeply. Take care for one another. Our belief shapes our actions. When we believe that we're called to care, 
that we truly care, that we're truly each made in the image of God, we act on that in our service and care and love of one another. Our belief in a Savior who gave everything for us shapes the way that we give for one another. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, on this Pentecost day, you display your power and your love and your call on each and every one of us. And so, Lord God, we pray that that same Spirit may renew that call within us, may guide us and draw us deeper into discipleship, that we may show through our actions our deep care for one another, and that in so doing, we may show that love, a resurrection love, to the world, that people may see our good works and give glory to God. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.